Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. As we even continue to walk through and into this world, uh, one of the things we want to make note of that we are very aware of is that there is, there's no music uh, before, no worship music uh, before the message as of yet. Uh, and we've gotten some questions as to why that is, why can't we sing, why can't you know, we have Kyle or some members of our worship team or anything like that uh, start before uh, or do some songs rather before the message. And the reason for that is actually really simple. Uh, it's a licensing problem. Um, and so we don't have the licensing to be able to stream worship music yet into a digital space. And so uh, actually not this weekend, but next weekend we'll have the ability to, uh, to do some worship together and that sort of thing uh, ahead of the message. And so we're working hard on that. But again, it's a brand new world that we're trying to navigate here. And we want to make sure that we're above reproach with everything that we do. So starting next weekend, uh, we'll actually have the ability to, uh, to sing some songs and worship with you, uh, with you all. Um, so as we get started, I'm going to take a second. I'm just going to pray us, pray us into the message. Uh, and then we'll get started. So why don't you uh, bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we're... Uh, Thankful for a season, God, where we have to be creative, we have to be imaginative. God, we have to think outside of the box regarding how it is that we reach people, how it is that we do church, how it is that we proclaim your name to people. And so, God, I pray that you would make that answer known to each and every one of us, that regardless of the struggle that we find ourselves in, that we wouldn't stop being the church, that actually the opposite will be true, that, be, that because of the struggle, we as the church would rise up. And so, God, I pray that um, these words today, that they would be your words, that I would communicate your truth, and that they would be applicable to the lives of every single person listening to me. We love you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Uh, so before we really get started, just a, uh, a personal story for me and for, for my family. And so as you all know, everything is shut down. Schools are shut down, all that stuff. And um, my kids specifically are having kind of a hard time trying to adjust to what this looks like because they went from not having to be around their, their siblings very much, not having to be in our house all the time or anything like that, to all of a sudden Man, they were just with each other 100% of the time. They're trying to figure out how to communicate with one another again, trying to make sure they're living under, uh, you know, living according to, to mine and Sarah's rules and that sort of thing. And so there was one day where one of my sons came up to me and he just was crying. And I was like, bud, what's wrong? And he's like, dad, life's been really hard for me this month. I was like, oh, buddy, well, let's, let's talk about it, right? And so I said, tell me, tell me why life's been so difficult for you this month. He said, well, he said, you know, school got canceled. My soccer season got canceled. Uh, we unfortunately had two of our animals pass away. Uh, and then on top of all of that, coronavirus. And he just said, and, just, it just, and then, of course, the coronavirus, Dad, um, and so they are having a hard time adjusting to this new world. I mean, even we as humans, you and I, uh, all are having a difficult time adjusting to this new world. And to be honest, uh, for us, coronavirus has affected our lives, yes, but 
not in the same way that it's affected other people because as of this, this recording anyway, there's still zero known cases uh, in Kings County. And so because of that, really it's an inconvenience to each and every one of us. But, but each of us at some point in our lives have had to endure some sort of suffering. We've gone through something difficult in the same way that my son said, Dad, life's been really hard for me lately. We've all had to endure that in some way. We as humans regularly deal with this idea of uncertainty and suffering and rarely, rarely do we end up getting to be able to see the reason why it is that we go through that struggle. You know, maybe that's something you've dealt with in your life. That's something I've dealt with in my life in different seasons and hard seasons, simply asking myself, why, God, why would you allow something like this to happen? Why is that like, like what is it that you are trying to do in this, God? Because because if I ask the question why, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And maybe it's not in this season of, of a pandemic that you may be asking God why or anything like that uh, or what's going on in today's world, but maybe you've, maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe your parents have gone through divorce. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. You know, maybe it's financial struggle. Maybe it's like the Andersons and you lost a pet. You know, whatever it is, I don't know what suffering it is that, that you have gone through at one point in your life, but, but really the question is, is have you asked God why? Have you asked God why? And this, this, is for, this message is for people who have been a part of faith for a really long time, those veterans of faith. This question is just as applicable to your life as it is to those people who are brand new to faith or maybe aren't even following Jesus yet. Because today, we're going to lean into John 11. And as we lean into John 11 and see if we can answer the question of why God allows us to suffer even though we love him. That's a question that comes up on a regular basis with people. Is if God is so good, why does he allow bad things to happen? Why would God allow those things to happen? And there's a, there's a certain section of Christianity that actually just says, you know what, God actually doesn't even, God's not the one responsible for those bad things. If you place your faith in Jesus, you're going to be happy, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be rich, everything's going to be okay. And in reality, Scripture doesn't say that at all. That's called the prosperity gospel or the health and wealth gospel. That, hey, as long as I have enough faith, God would never allow something bad to happen to me. It would never be a thing. And that's just, that's poor theology, especially as we lean in to John chapter 11. It's actually going to prove that, that that is indeed bad theology. That suffering happens not because, not necessarily because we did something wrong or we didn't have enough faith. I want you to also be aware that, that this text today that we're going to be digging through, John chapter 11, we're only pulling out a couple of verses. This is a long story. It's John 11, I believe it's 1 through 45 particularly, and I'm going to give you an overview of what happened, and then we're going to kind of pick through it, but there's a ton in here, like every single chapter in the Gospel of John, and so I would encourage you to go back, read through the entirety of John 11, uh, because there are very, very important things in this text that we simply don't have time to cover today, but John 11 is particularly important because it gives the account of Jesus's most dramatic and powerful miracle in his entire ministry, the raising of Lazarus from the dead after he had been in the tomb for four days and his body was beginning to decompose. I mean, can you imagine what that would look like? Can you imagine what that would look like? Is a a person who had been dead and 
in his burial site for four days, that couldn't have been a pleasant sight for anybody, a pleasant smell for anybody for that matter. But Jesus intentionally waits four days to come and to raise Lazarus from the dead. So right before this, in John chapter 10, Jesus had left Jerusalem because Jews uh, were seeking to kill him. And he was ministering across the Jordan River, uh, kind of where John the Baptist was first baptized. You see that in John 10, 40. When, when word came to him, word comes to Jesus from Mary and Martha, and their brother, from Mary and Martha, that their brother and Jesus' friend Lazarus was sick. So John here, he emphasizes more than once that Jesus loved Lazarus as well as his sisters, Mary and Martha. But then, contrary to what we would expect, really, rather than rushing to Lazarus' side in order to go and heal him as quickly as he could, Jesus stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So by the time he arrived in Bethany, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were, it was about two miles outside of Jerusalem. Lazarus had been in the tomb, like I had said, for four days, setting the stage for this entire miracle. Some people think, some commenters think that Jesus was only one day's journey away from Lazarus, one day's journey away, uh, away from them. And so in this scenario, Lazarus would have died shortly after the messengers left to go get Jesus. So even if he had gone immediately, even if Jesus had left immediately, Lazarus still would have died. But he stayed where he was. Jesus stayed where he was for two days. Then on day four... He arrives at Bethany and performs the miracle. But that kind of construction of events seems a little bit at odds with the sisters' complaint. That the sisters' complaint in this is that if Jesus had only come sooner, Jesus, if you had come sooner, that, that, that our brother, Lazarus, he still would have been alive at that point. So others think that, that Jesus was actually much further away, much further away. And Lazarus was still alive when the messengers got to Jesus, but he died just before Jesus left to return, which Jesus actually knew supernaturally. In John eleven fourteen and 15, it says this. It says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. In either case, Jesus could have spoken the word and healed Lazarus from a distance. This happens all the way back in John chapter 4. It just says, go, your child will be healed. He doesn't have to be there physically. He doesn't have to be there presently in order to make that happen. But Jesus makes it clear, specifically in in this verse, that something greater is afoot in this. He has some higher purposes for this sickness and death, namely for God's sake and for his own glory. We see that specifically where it says, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. May believe. So because of that, he delayed going immediately, which resulted in Lazarus' death, like we said, and the sisters' grief over the loss of their brother because he loved them. He allowed them, Jesus allowed them to suffer for greater purposes that they didn't understand until later. They simply didn't understand that, that Lazarus had died, that uh, Jesus could have done something to save him, but he didn't. And they didn't understand why. One of the things we need to recognize as Christians is that a God allows those he loves to suffer. 
God allows those he loves to suffer, which is a weird sentence to say, but it's absolutely true. Look at the text here in in 3 and 5 and 6. It says, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. This, This is a really confusing set of verses here as we look at it. Because it starts with, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So we have one of Lazarus' sisters telling Jesus, hey, look, Lazarus is sick, and we know that you can do something about it. And it even says in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I love them so much. It makes it very clear. So when he heard that he was sick, the next sentence we would assume would say, he rushed to Lazarus' side and did his best to heal him. But it doesn't. It says, so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. It doesn't seem to make any sense. At least according to our kind of finite minds, our understanding of what should have been happening in this case. If my wife comes to me or she calls me or she texts me and she's like, hey, one of the boys is really sick. And I say, man, I really love that son. I'll see you in two days. It's not going to get a very good response probably from my wife. She's probably not going to be very happy with me in that instance. Why? Because the natural occurrence of events really should be, okay, somebody I love is sick, I am going to go to them immediately. And that's the opposite of what we, ha- what we have happening here. John is saying is that, that Jesus' special love for these three was his reason for letting them suffer. His love did what was best for them. That's a really weird thing to try to be able to come through. They just, they just have no clue what that looks like or why Jesus would do such a thing. So we know this would have been terrible for Mary and Martha and obviously for Lazarus passing away, but Mary and Martha sitting there watching their brother physically die. But the Bible is clear that the godly suffer. People who belong to God suffer, and their suffering isn't due to a lack of faith or to the lack of God's love for them. Neither of those things are true. Think about the blind man that we've been talking about for the last couple weeks. God allowed the blind man to be born blind. Think about Lazarus. God allowed Lazarus to die. Think about Job, for those of you who have uh, been, been Christians for a long time or read through Scripture or whatever. Job had all of his kids, God allowed all of his kids to die. God allowed his livelihood to be stripped from him. And on top of it all, he got boils as well. He had a hard lot in life. That's a difficult thing to walk through. And I'm sure those people consistently cried out what? Why? Why, God, would you allow for something like this to happen? Why, God, would you allow for these difficult tragedies? And I would say in these moments, don't ask God why. Ask God how. You probably won't get an answer from God if you're asking him why these things are happening. But you may be surprised what it would look like if you start asking God how it is that he would like you to honor him in these circumstances, in these instances. God, how do you want me to use this situation to glorify you? When Jesus healed the blind man, his his suffering honored God because he went and he told people about Jesus. 
When Jesus healed Lazarus, the suffering that Lazarus endured honored God because he went and told people about Jesus. When Job lost everything, the suffering honored God because he remained faithful and God blessed him immensely because of it. Look back at your life. Look back at the things that you have suffered through. And like we talked about, whether it's a divorce or a lost loved one or whatever it may be, financial hardship, whatever it may be, if you're walking in faith with Christ, my guess is is that you can see something now that you hadn't seen before. You can see how God was trying to teach you something, was trying to bless him, was trying to bring glory to himself through your circumstances. And it's a difficult truth to be able to wrap our minds around. It really is. But Jesus even talks about this very thing before he raises Lazarus. He says in John eleven four, he says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. This sickness will not end in death. I think it's fascinating that he says that in in verse 4 and Lazarus is laying, dying and dead. And he just says, hey, like this isn't going to end in death. I have the long game in mind. I understand what it is going to be happening here. It's not going to end in death. It's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. He says that and then after that he waits two days to go heal him. That should be very indicative of the fact we should be able to understand then that Jesus had the long game in mind. It wasn't about the temporal things. It was about God being glorified in and through this entire thing. And so one of the things we need to recognize then is that your suffering will end in God's glory. Your suffering will end in God's glory if you are continuing to be faithful amid your suffering. That's just simply how it works. It's a hard way to look at it, but we recognize that amid our troubles, God doesn't just leave us to suffer. God doesn't just say, okay, you have cancer, you're dying. I'm going to be completely and totally hands off and you can deal with it. We have the opportunity in those times to take our troubles to God. That's actually exactly what we should be doing in those times, in our times of suffering, in our times of trouble, to be able to say, okay, God, look, I'm walking through this. I'm going to be faithful in the midst of all of this. But God, I need you to carry some of this because it's too heavy for me. There's no way that I'm going to be able to get through this on my own. And so I'll be faithful, but you got to help me. Walk me through this. Help me stay faithful through this. We have the opportunity in those times to take our troubles to God. Even in verse 3, Martha tells Jesus that the one you love, the one Jesus loves, is sick. Not the one who loves Jesus, the one Jesus loves loves is sick. She simply laid out her pain for Jesus to handle it. And Jesus handled it. And I also think it's interesting that she doesn't say, hey, the one who loves you, Jesus, is sick. We so often put ourselves into that space, into that category of us simply saying, hey, God, I love you so much. Why would you let something like this happen to me? Or God, I love you so much. Heal me. God, I love you so much. Get me my job back. God, I love you so much. I love you. And it's a, it turns into a bartering system with him. That, hey, I'll love you more if. But that's not the case here. Martha actually tells Jesus, hey, it's not, it's not the one who loved you so much. It's the one that you love so much. 
And so we need to recognize that God loves us enough to allow our suffering to bring glory to him. And that's a hard truth. That's a weird truth. But we put it out there, and Jesus should be able to handle it. And Jesus handles it. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at in the reconciliation of why God kind of allows suffering, but hopefully we can get to a point of understanding that it isn't about why he allows suffering, but how are we utilizing that suffering to bring glory to God? It's not the why, it's the how. John 16, it actually tells us that very thing. It says at first, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, if that verse ended there, that would be a very troubling verse for everybody. Right? In this world, you'll have trouble. And then Jesus went fishing. Like, that would be a really difficult thing for us to be able to walk through, to place our hope in as Christians. Just be like, all right, well, I guess we're just going to have trouble. And that's what it's going to be. But that's actually, it doesn't end there. It's not that depressing message. Because the second half of that verse actually tells us that, it says this, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Let's read it again. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And our suffering produces God's glory as long as we're faithful in the midst of that suffering. So just as we continue through this new normal of pajamas and lazy boys for church, for like sitting with our dogs and eating pancakes while Pastor Jeff is giving announcements because I'm sure you're all paying attention very closely right now. I'd encourage you to recognize that, that what, like what good you can do in the midst of this, that, that God will work for his good in his timing. It's not about us. It's not about our temporal things, though Jesus cares deeply about those temporal things. Actually, in this story, when he came and Lazarus was still dead in the tomb before he raised Lazarus up. He came and he comforted the sisters. He cried with Mary and Martha. Why? Because he cares about us in the midst of that pain. But he also has sightlines that are higher than ours. He's elevated, those sightlines are elevated to a point where he can see the eternal good. He can see that, hey, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this suffering, I'm going to be glorified through this. I'm going to bring glory to the Father through this, he can raise his sight lines, and we need to do the same. We need to raise our sight lines above our temporal realities to partner, to partner with God in his eternal ones. Christ has overcome the world, and it's the Christian's job to spread that message. And honestly, that's a, that's a hard thing for us to get to. It's a hard thing for us to get to in this season because in the past what it has been is, hey, I go to church, I go to, I go to FBH, why don't you come with me? And as you've invited people to come to church and that sort of thing, some have stuck around, some haven't, some have come to faith, some haven't. But in the midst of this reality that we're finding ourselves in, in the midst of me preaching to an empty auditorium right now, what we need to recognize is that through this suffering, through this inconvenience that we find ourselves in as the church of not being able to come together as the body of Christ in a physical way, but rather in a digital way, we have to care deeply about those people around us in the same way that Christ cares deeply about us in the midst of our temporal things. Why? So we can elevate our sight lines to the eternal. 
so we can recognize that the thing that God cares most about is, is bringing himself glory. It is our responsibility then that in the midst of our suffering to spread that message. It's exactly what Mary did. It's exactly what Martha did. It's exactly what Lazarus did. That as God worked through that suffering and God's glory was known through that suffering, they went and they spread his gospel because of that. But how do you see that amid your present circumstances? How do you do that amid your present circumstances? And I just challenge you, just, just be the church and love people well. Now I'll finish with this. Uh, we had a, a lady from our congregation uh, brought, actually she gave eggs to somebody and brought us a whole bunch of eggs, and we had like three dozen eggs, and um, there was no way we were going to get through all three dozen of them. Um, and so we decided to, to uh, cut the egg cartons in half and give them out to each of our neighbors and that sort of thing. And so we brought them over to our neighbors and wrote like little encouraging notes. And then, uh, then after that, uh, it was about, you know, six, eight hours later, one of the neighbors that we had given eggs to brought over for us a whole bag of oranges with a little encouraging note written on it and that sort of thing. And that's really the first, like, real interaction. I sat and I talked with him and his kids for a little bit. It's the first real interaction we've had because of it. Why? Simply because we were, we were like, how can we love people? We'll give them eggs. Like, that's it. And if I can make God be glorified through me just, like, redistributing eggs, Okay. How can I bring God glory in the midst of this this time that we find ourselves in? Just be the church and love people well. Because even amid our suffering, God will work for the good in his time, not in ours. It's simply our job to make sure that the world knows it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're uh, thankful for this story, the story of Lazarus that we barely even scratched the surface of today, God. But God, we recognize that you do indeed allow suffering to happen to those people who love you. And while that's a difficult truth for us to wrestle with, because we just want a band-aid, we want everything to just be okay all the time. We know that that's not true until we end up on the other side of eternity, until we end up with you forever. And so God, thank you for a difficult truth, but allow us to understand how to best love people in our present circumstances while we're suffering, while there is difficulty going on, while our world is just faced with uncertainty. God, allow us to elevate our sight lines, not to the temporal, but to the eternal, where yours are. And God, if there's people here following along with us today who have not yet placed their faith in you, I just pray that they would pray along with me, that they would say, hey, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I recognize that I'm a sinful person, that I mess up every single day. And so I admit that I'm a, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. B, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. And that he conquered death in the same way that he raised Lazarus, Father. He conquered death. He, he put all of our sin, all of our shame onto him while he was on that cross. Died and was raised again three days later for our sins. And so because of that, Father, we see we want to choose to follow you every single day that we will proclaim your name even amid our current circumstances, even amid our current suffering. Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. It's in your son's name we pray.